Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the podcast. I'm Matt, and with me, as always, is Jesse. Hello, hello. This is it's 3 a.m., and this is important. What are we going to be talking about today, Jesse? So, I came up with this week's topic after watching a YouTube video of a group of climbers tackle the Diga de la Zone. It's the world's second largest artificial outdoor climbing wall. Where is it located, you may Is ask? it on a dam? It's on a dam. It's on a dam. It's on a dam. Dam! So, How many times am I going to make that joke? How many times? <laughs> so many times. How many times? It's going to be amazing. I like it. Let's well, keep going. What are we doing? We're, oh, 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 God. Come on, man. We got a, we got a show to do here. Oh, my God. I'm so rushed. So <laughs> this particular dam is over 165 meters tall, and the sheer size of the thing just, like, blew me away. Yeah. It's so gorgeous. It's so pretty. Where is this? It is in Switzerland, Ooh. I think. Pretty I mean, sure. Yeah. Pretty sure it's in Switzerland. A lot of big dams in Switzerland. Cool. Anyway. Is that a thing they have? I never would have thought of Switzerland and thought immediately like dams. Well, they're like a really mountainous country, right? So it's kind of the perfect setup, you know, with all the glaciers and the meltwater and all that fun stuff. Sure. Yeah, that makes sense, I guess. Great locale for dams. Yeah. So after watching that video, then I thought about how my home province of British Columbia produces more than 90% of its electricity through hydropower. That's a lot of hydropower. Yeah. And the primary method of capturing that hydropower is through dams. Damn. So let's do some learning. Cool. I'm excited. Yeah. I never thought I'd be excited about dams, but here we are. All right. So I think that we can't really talk about dams without first addressing nature's dam OGs, the beaver. Beavers! Beavers! Yeah, we'd like to give a special shout out to beavers in this episode. Massive shout out to to one of Canada's national animals. One of Canada's national animals. Yeah. You're saying there were like three animals. Yeah, I thought, I just kind of assumed all this time that they were the only one, but we have also the moose and then like a specific kind of horse. Those two are also... Of course. Why was it never a goose? Of course, a horse. Why don't we have, why, why is it not a goose? The geeses, the cobra chickens. I don't yeah. know. It could be, it should be. Because no matter where you go in Canada, it seems like there's geese. Yeah. Anyway. And I mean, we see geese a whole lot more than we see beavers. I mean, if we're like specifically leaving them out because they're assholes, then I'm like totally supportive of that though. Yeah, that's true. They're not the friendliest. They don't like encapsulate Canadians' reputation. No, they don't. They don't represent us. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. not who we are. Fuck them. All right, where was it? I don't know. All right, beavers. Yes. Okay. So these little guys are truly nature's engineers. Beavers typically build their dams in ponds or streams as a way to create deeper waters, store food, and avoid predators. Huh. Yeah. They also work together to accomplish this goal. And fun fact for you. I told you I was really excited to tell you this one because it's crazy. What is it about beavers? The largest beaver dam in the world is actually located in Alberta. Really? Yeah. We have the biggest one? Where we live. Where is it? It's in some national park like north. I've forgotten the name, didn't write it down. But apparently it's like such a remote part of Alberta that humans didn't really explore it until like 2014. Oh. Yeah, I probably should have written down the name of the park. but like that out of the way, huh? Yeah, just like Google it, guys, if you're really that curious. Largest, world's largest beaver dam. And you will find it. So the world's largest beaver dam is 2,800 feet long and was built by two beaver families over the course of 30 years. Holy shit. It's twice as wide as the Hoover Dam. Do you know how long the Great Wall of China is? (laughs) It's long. (laughs) It's, it's long. It's longer than that, but... Yeah, of course it's longer than 2,800 <laughs> feet. But I was just thinking about, like, what if they just kept building it 
yeah. to the point where it was like longer. Well, that's kind of the cool <laughs> thing is like they're building ecosystems. Like these beavers are building freaking ecosystems. So like theoretically, the bigger the dam is, the more like marshlands become a thing. And then you could just infinitely, I don't know. Dude, I don't know the inner workings of beavers. Yeah, they'd have to be much smarter than they currently are, I think, to accomplish something like Who knows? that. But they, still, like, I, I just can't believe 30 freaking years. Like, that's, I don't know yeah. how long beavers live for, but that's got to be multi-generational. Yeah, it's a generational uh, build, you know? Yeah. Like, that's their entire lives is working on that dam and yeah. eating food and sleeping and making more beavers to work on the dam. Yeah, and actually, when I looked at the photos, you can't really tell what you're looking at because it's so old that there's, like, actually, like, grass and whatnot, like, totally. growing over top this thing. Like, it's Incredible. just humongous. Yeah. And yeah, like I kind of touched on, they literally create entire ecosystems. And these dams benefit the environment in other ways, too. So they can prevent floods. They also act as a filter for sediments, which mm. leads to cleaner waters downstream. Wow. Yeah. Not really beneficial for us. But you know, I mean, we're not nature. We're just people. Yeah, we're just people. We destroy nature. Yeah. Apparently, beavers are like really hard to get rid of as well. Yeah. Yeah. There's all sorts of like ways to do it. Stubborn little beasts. Yeah. And probably the most drastic way that I looked at is like basically electrified fences. They like lightly. Oh, that's the worst. Yeah. They they give the water like a light charge. And then that I, I would also assume that gets rid of like every animal. Yeah. That's so lame. That's one way of doing it. That's so lame. Why are we getting rid of beavers, man? Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, also like I'm just now thinking about the amount of beavers we killed in frontier times for their sure. pelts and stuff. And that's just the all fur sorts trade. Of the, the good old fashioned fur trade. Yeah. Yeah. Anywho. We ain't treated beavers all that great. Yeah, historically we've Over been the years. fucking horrible to beavers. Mm -hmm. But we love them in Canada. They're good now. So as far as man-made dams go, though, there are several main classifications and all of these types can be further categorized by their size. Okay. So dams 30 meters or lower in height are considered low dams. 30 meters to 100 meters low are dam. medium dams. 100 meters to 150 are considered high dams. And then any dam that's higher than 150 meters are simply called major dams. Major dam. Major dams. Those are the that is boys. a major dam right there. Yeah. So the dam that was on the Diga Dilla zone over 150 meters. Is that... That's a major dam. That's right a major there. dam. And seriously, like weirdly, like Google this thing because like, I don't know, maybe it's just me, but like just the location and the size of this dam. So yeah. pretty. And they built a climbing wall on it. Yeah, they built a climbing wall. I think it's five or six pitches long. Like this thing is Woo. like, it's a, it's a legitimate thing. And until I think 2018, it was the largest artificial. And then I don't know, somewhere, some, someplace. Someone somewhere. just had to be better. I guess it wasn't in a major dam. No, no, I don't. It actually, from what I look like, it's on, I think it's on a power plant or something. But yeah, it's not a dam. Right. It's not a dam. Anywho, before we get into the big boys or the major dams and whatnot, I think it's important to mention that not all dams are meant to create a reservoir behind them. Wait, what? I thought that was like the entire definition of dams. No, no, no. There's there's a bunch of different like kind of subcategories and they serve like a bunch of different purposes. I guess I I never looked into dams. Yeah. There's gotta be a reason for that. Well, yeah, I'm about to I'm about to get into it. What are the reasons? All right. So you have your What are dams? Oh my god. What are what are frogs? <laughs> what are frogs? Okay. So you got overflow dams, for example, are like the name suggests, designed to have water flowing over top of them. And right. they're used to regulate the flow of water where they're built. Okay. And then where I went to university, University of Lethbridge, we had the river, Old Man River flowing right in front. They right. had a weir, yeah. which is basically just a smaller version of an overflow dam. Okay. Yeah, and it literally just helps regulate the flow of the So basically it like chokes back and creates resistance. Yeah, 
Yeah. And I'm not sure, I didn't actually delve into it, but I'm not sure why you want to regulate the flow of a dam. Maybe erosion would be my guess. Perhaps. Or maybe just to control flooding or anything like that. I don't know. I don't know. I wish I had an answer. Yeah. Perhaps even for like evaporation rates or something. I don't know. So a check dam is designed to restrict flow and control soil erosion, while wing dams serve the opposite function. They increase the flow and prevent soil buildup. Okay. And then finally, we have dry dams, and they don't restrict the flow of water at all, except in the case of flooding. Okay, so they're just preventative? Yeah, preventative measures measures that just sit there dry until some crazy flood comes along, and then hopefully they do their job properly. Yeah, hold back that flood. Hold back that flood. Hold back the river. So now for the classic dams. These next types are all typically have some sort of reservoir behind them and are what we kind of normally think of when we think of dams. Okay. So timber dams were the first example of modern day dams. They were popular at the beginning of the Industrial Revolution and frontier times, primarily because of their ease of construction. Kind of just copying beavers at this point. (laughs) Yeah, a little bit. (laughs) Sounds like beavers with extra steps. Yeah. So materials were abundant. Obviously, I mean, trees were kind of everywhere, close by, and they were able to be built swiftly. So we never really see them in modern times because they don't last as long and we just have access to better materials and like methods of construction. They're just outdated. They just didn't have that cool concrete. Yeah. But for a long time, they served a great purpose and they got the job done. Yeah. A little side note on that, apparently, is that for the log dams, they actually like constantly had to be submerged by water or else they rotted faster. To me, that seems like counterintuitive or something, but I guess for whatever reason. Maybe just like exposure to oxygen causes rot faster than submersion and water. Yeah, I don't know. Or maybe there's like less like water bugs or something that would help break it down. Yeah, I I can imagine that helping a bit for sure. Yeah, I don't know. It's weird. Interesting. Yeah. Keep your logs wet if you build a log yeah. dam. Keep those logs dam. wet. Keep them wet. Brought to you by Beavers. All right. Where are we going next? So next up, we're looking at embankment dams. And these are dams that are made from compacted earth. And they have two main types. Rock compacted f- earth isn't like just dirt. Yeah. Yeah. And like clay and stuff. Yeah. Right, yeah, cool. we'll get into it a little bit more than that. So yeah, there's rock filled and then there's earth filled. Embankment dams rely on their weight to hold back the force of the water. Okay. And so for rock-filled dams, they kind of have this impervious layer that can be made of clay, timber, concrete, or steel. Right. But as their name suggests, they're made primarily from large particles. And just because of, like, the way that they're built with kind of the rockiness and whatnot, they are highly resistant to earthquakes. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah, I guess they can move more with the earth, right? Yeah, a little bit. But I looked it up, and I should have done more research on it, but I didn't. Apparently, they're also kind of vulnerable to something called liquefaction. So while they are the most resilient to earthquakes and whatnot, I guess a worst-case scenario would be liquefaction from, like, the motion, I guess. Huh. Just too much vibrational energy and stuff just breaks them up too much, and then they just crumble to nothingness. They have a failure. But for the most part, yeah, they're... They're the most resilient. Damn, dude. And then on the other side of the coin, we have earth dams. And so earth dams are constructed of compacted earth and feature a watertight core that can be made of several different kinds of materials. So like a really cool example of this are frozen cores found in some high altitude dams. Okay. Where they have like pipes filled with coolant that go through the core. And then they actually actually create a watertight layer of permafrost around the coolant pipes. Oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah. So just a constant frozen center. Yeah, way to just manipulate nature. Yeah, I just thought that was like really neat. That is pretty neat. How neat is that? It's pretty neat. (laughs) All right, so after that, we have gravity dams, and they're typically made from cement. So these are usually the biggest dams. 
And the entire idea behind them is that the downward force of gravity is stronger than the lateral force of the water they hold back. Okay. And a great example of this would be the Hoover Dam. The big boy. The big boy. Probably the most famous dam on the planet. Yeah, isn't there like a conspiracy theory about the Hoover Dam? Or wait, no. I mean, it it was featured in like Transformers, I think. I don't (laughs) know which Transformers, but. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah, That's where Megatron is. Yeah. Currently, Megatron is. That's where Megatron is. He's in Hoover Dam right now. Yeah. That's the most interesting dam, I would say. Yeah. It's got the coolest shit inside of it. Certainly, yeah. Aliens? Yeah. It's the real Area 51. Yeah. Area 51 is just like a diversion. Diversion from the, from the Hoover, Hoover Dam. 30 meters thick of concrete, whatever he says. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Aliens can't get in and their signals can't get out. Sure, whatever. Science. Science rules. <laughs> All right, so what what is it about the Hoover Dam that you wanted to go into? Nothing crazy. That was mostly it. No, oh, it's just a cool dam? Yeah, I just think it's probably the most famous dam out there. Yeah, I'd probably... Right. Probably say that, yeah. I mean, name one other dam other than the Hoover Dam. Name <laughs> one other dam. Glenmore. That's the reservoir. That's not the name of the dam. Yeah, but there's a dam there. Yeah, but... <laughs> All right, okay. So after gravity dams, we have arch dams. Arch dam. Arch dam. It sounds like the king dam. You know, like the, the arch deity or whatever. We like the arch dam. Yeah, yeah, they're... The final boss of dams. I think they're the coolest. They're the coolest looking. Yeah, what is an arch dam? Because I don't think I actually know. Well, it's pretty self-explanatory, but yeah, let me get into it a little bit. So arch dams use not only gravity, but their shape as well to hold back the hydrostatic pressure of the water that they're kind of holding back. And the most desirable location for these dams are steep canyons with solid rock as the canyon walls act as additional supports. Right. So technically, the Hoover Dam is an arch gravity class dam. Oh, So it's like a combination of the two. Cool. All right. Yeah. Yeah. And originally, I do want to say, like, originally, I I wanted to really go into the engineering of each type. But honestly, it would have taken me way too long to explain. And the amount of $10 words I came across was just, like, way too much for me. Yeah. Words I've never heard of and, like, entire sentences that, like, didn't even seem like English and, like, just, like, insane. You probably have to be an engineer to, like, really know what's going on. Yeah, truly. Mad respect for the engineers that build these freaking monsters. Hell yeah, dude. Now let's move on to how they're built. How do you build a dam? How do you build them? For me, the biggest question I had was how the hell are these things built? Because like any sort of structure built in water has always fascinated me because of the obvious difficulties. Sure. You know, like it's just like weird. And I think that obviously adds like a whole nother layer to it. Oh, totally. Yeah. So yeah, let's get into it. So a typical sequence of events for constructing a dam and creating a reservoir is done in six steps, usually. Okay. Step number one is diverting the river. Right. The way that that's primarily done is by actually creating like a tunnel. Okay. That like diverts it from the natural riverbed. And right. takes it to Giving kind of Giving it a, a place to go for yeah. now. And then they'll wait until obviously the riverbed dries out. And uh, yeah, that's that's kind of the most convenient way. On If you have like a massive river, if we're talking about really big rivers, they create these structures over like half the river and let like the other half go. But the structures are basically, they like have like four posts that drill down in the bed of the river. And then they have like big giant sheets of metal that like come down kind of like pre-fit walls almost. And that gives them like access to the riverbed. Right. Okay. Yeah. So that would be for like massive, like if you wanted to, for whatever reason, build a dam on like the Amazon River or something, you'd like section it off in certain pieces and like go about it that way. Right. Okay. Just like building bridges on rivers and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. A very similar, similar yeah. process. Like if 
You're talking about like a support on a bridge, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally. So step number two would be preparing the foundation for the dam. I mean, sure. You got to kind of got to have a foundation. Yeah, it's easily the most important part. Yeah. And the way that they do that is they either compact the dirt, but I think the best way or like the definitely the most like sturdy way is to just blast down through and try to get to bedrock if you can. Sure. And then on top of that, once you do get down below, you have to look for like cracks or inconsistencies and those have to be filled in. And one of like the biggest issues that I came across while doing my research on this is seepage underneath. Okay. So it has to be like really, really watertight because if you start to get any water from the reservoir coming up underneath the foundation, yeah, then it can literally lift up the whole dam and wash everything away. It's insane. Do they ever? Do, they, do you know if they ever account for like fault lines or anything? Yes. Like that must be a really big thing, right? Yeah. I mean, safety is like insane. When I was looking up the BC Hydro stuff, they were talking about like in like doing studies in the billions of dollars. Yeah. Because, and we'll kind of talk about it a little later on, but when dams fail, it's catastrophic. Like very, very, very rarely. Yeah, they're they're natural disasters waiting to happen. Yeah, essentially. There's these giant things holding back immense amounts of water. Yeah. They could kill you. And they have in the past. They have, well, we'll get into it. We will get into it. Oh, yeah. So the third step would be the actual physical building of the dam. So you've diverted the water, you've dealt with that, you've built the foundation, and then actually building the dam. And there's two kind of main ways based off the type. So the first would be a concrete dam. Yeah. And essentially, because they're so vast and so like huge they're built in layers right okay that makes sense yeah usually like two to three meters at a time then they let that layer dry and they just slowly work their way up for the concrete side yeah so the amount of concrete is actually so large when they're building these things that they often build either one or multiple if the dam's big enough buildings called a concrete batching plant concrete batching plant is that where they like make the concrete for the dam They'll literally build, yeah, on site a freaking factory to build all this concrete. Huh. Because, yeah, there's just so much. Like with the Hoover Dam, I'm going to quote the Transformers. I don't know if it's actually that thick, but like when you're talking about like 30 feet or 30 meters or whatever it is thick of concrete and potentially hundreds of meters tall, that's an insane amount. Yeah. Yeah, I can't imagine like the amount of concrete trucks that it would take to build a dam. And they do sometimes use concrete trucks to just haul from the concrete batching plant. Right. But then the second way that they kind of do that and what sounds to me like the most efficient way is just using a series of conveyors to to get it where it needs oh, sure. to go. Oh, sure. Yeah. 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 That makes more sense. And then for the embankment dams is kind of the second main way that they'll build if you're building an embankment dam. Again, it's kind of a similar process. They're just building layers upon layers, but with the with embankment. compacted earth and... Yeah. It's compacted. They use rollers and stuff, but it's much thinner layers. Like we're talking about like three inches thick at a time kind of thing. So they're just doing layer after layer, Layer. thousands and thousands of layers. Yeah. And yeah, everything is like super heavily compacted because of course safety is paramount. It's like the number one concern. Yeah. Yeah. So step number four is going to be filling the reservoir. Yep. And that's just done by, you know, removing the tunnel or whatever and kind of slowly And then just let the river do its thing. Yeah. And like nowadays, there's like greener processes and stuff and like a lot more planning. But back in the day, they used to literally just like let it fill up as nature kind of allowed. Yeah. Just see where it went. That makes the most sense to me personally, but I don't know anything else. Yeah. I mean, you'd really have to have that all kind of planned out. Yeah. Lest you flood. Well, I mean, you're going to flood things regardless, but uh, we'll get into it. We'll get into it later. Yeah, for sure. 
So after that, you have testing the valves and floodgates on the dam. So sure. every dam has valves and floodgates that regulate how much water, you know, is held back and how much flows through at the same time. Yeah. So just kind of testing those out. And then the final step is monitoring the behavior of the newly built dam. Right. And that's pretty self-explanatory. Just getting the metrics and making sure it's functioning. Yeah. And making sure just all your safety protocols are in place and doing their freaking job. Sounded like a wiki how article. You describing how to build a dam. Yeah. It's like a weekend DIY project. How yeah. to build a dam. There's six simple steps. <laughs> yeah. There's just six <laughs> easy steps and you got a dam. Yeah. I mean, obviously I did dumb that down a heck of a lot, yeah. but it just like, literally it's above my head. Yeah. It's just above my head. I'm not that You're not smart. an engineer. Yeah. Let's talk about the environmental impact now. Okay. that I don't think should be skipped over. Sure. And honestly, this one kind of surprised me the most. Like, obviously, I knew that there was environmental impacts to this. Like, obviously, you're flooding an well, yeah, area I mean, of you're, land. You're manipulating nature. You're yeah. literally redirecting and changing natural yeah. water but I guess flows I just, and stuff. I think I just underestimated the impact a little bit. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I don't think about dams. You know, they're, they're like regular yeah. structures that I see every once in a while, but they never really, they're never really on my mind, even though the main place we go fishing incorporates a dam in its entire existence. Yeah. Like so, I, it might be the biggest park in Calgary, the Glenmore. Park. I don't know if it is. Maybe not. The, certainly like close to. There's some, there's some pretty big parks. Yeah. In Calgary. Yeah. All right. Well, it's a, it's a, it's big, a big ass one. park. Yeah. It's a big Either one. Either way, it's a big one. And there's yeah. a dam there, but I never think about the dam there. Yeah, because we're not allowed near it for yeah. safety reasons, obviously, and stuff yeah. like that. But so, yeah, I guess they're just like in the back of my mind. They're just normalized and they just exist and they just do what they do. And I don't really think about them. So as beneficial as dams can be, they definitely aren't without their controversy. Of course. It is estimated that anywhere from 40 to 80 million people have been displaced from their homes. Really? Yeah. Is Isn't that, that a- due to like dam failures? No, that's or just due, because that's, of dams. That's due to like the the reservoirs, like the flooding of the reservoirs. Oh shit! Okay. Yeah, like there's I don't have the name, but there's like one dam in particular. I think it's like around in China. I think it's like three times the size of the Hoofer Dam. Its reservoir is like 680 miles long. Wow! Like it's it's freaking huge. Yeah, that's massive. Yeah, it makes Glenmore look like a little little baby, little tiny little pond. Yeah. Yeah, so 40 to 80 million people and then approximately 400,000 square kilometers of land has been lost to reservoirs. Wow. Yeah, which is just under the size of California. Yeah. To put that in perspective. That's way too much land to be using for anything. Yeah, that's like a like humongous. I've, I've done a lot of thinking about the amount of land that we just like, as humans on this planet, we've left a lot of land unusable especially with like nuclear power plants and stuff when they go when that goes wrong then that land is unusable for hundreds of years and then we just have all these dams i guess that are taking up an insane amount of space mhm we're just really good at taking up the 30% land that we have on this planet yeah really occupy a lot of space and with desertification we're losing it all the time oh, yeah. and nuclear yeah. testing took away a lot of land too Sure. I don't think Canada has to deal with that. No, but, but like, like Russia and stuff. I don't know. And like the States. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. You know? Oh, shoot. What? There's like an island in the States. Yes, there is. Is it the Bikini Atoll from? The Bikini Atoll. I I, I think SpongeBob references, right? Bikini Bottom. Bikini Bottom. Yeah. Is it's that the based name on, of it? It's, it's based on the Bikini Atoll. Yeah. Or whatever it is. Yeah. 
crazy. A little side note, I guess I did. I read some on the internet of like some guy who had like been on boats and stuff that yeah. had to watch like nuclear blasts. And they said that they like that he put his hand up over his eyes. Yeah. And closed his eyes when the blast went off. And he could see like while his eyes are closed, he could see like his skeleton. Yeah. Of his hand. That's ridiculous. Which is just like. It's terrifying. Oh, yeah. It's so much radiation. How do you go through that and be okay? Yeah. Or maybe he's not okay. He's I don't know. not okay. I wouldn't, you know, yeah. I guess I don't cancer know. Cancer takes a while to build through radiation. True. I know that much. I mean, there is rapid cancer growth from ex- excess radiation, right? So. Sure. Maybe we're talking like uh, the Chernobyl. Yeah. Maybe like if yeah. you're in Chernobyl, you might get that much radiation where like yeah. you get it immediately or something. I don't know. Who knows? Anyway. Who's to say? Tangent. Tangent. <laughs> but yeah, so they take up a lot of land. Yes, they take up like is a what we're saying, and we use a lot of land. So much land. California. The size of California. California so in dams. That's a lot of land. All the dams. Let's get a little back on back on track. Okay. So when water is held in the reservoir of a dam, the quality of water is affected in like a bunch of different ways. Okay. And something I didn't know was when you like when you're initially getting all the water in and you've got the reservoir set up, obviously it kills all the existing vegetation. And then as that vegetation decomposes, it actually creates like an anoxic environment. Like oh it, sure. It eats Just the up decomposition all the- of yeah. natural plant life. Yeah. So that's like an issue in and of itself right off the bat. And then another thing too is if you have a deep enough reservoir, it leads to something called thermal stratification during the summer. Okay. And essentially what that is, is just like different layers of temperature. And usually that kind of correlates with like how far the light can penetrate. Okay. Yeah. So when that happens is the top layer is oxygen rich. It gets all the sunlight and all that fun stuff. And then the bottom bit that doesn't get sunlight. Is it just cold and kind of devoid of oxygen? Exactly. Yeah. It's just like this like death zone, I guess, in the reservoir, which obviously isn't good. And then again, it's another reason to not have really any plant life down there. Oh, sure. Because it wouldn't survive anyway. Yeah. But yeah, that's not good. It's It's not good, especially for that as an ecosystem. I mean, it doesn't really work all that well. And like, I don't I don't know. I don't know how like steep, I guess there's some vegetation definitely in the Glenmore Dam, but I also don't think it's like very deep. No, it's definitely not deep enough to probably suffer from that as a consequence too badly, at least. Yeah. I mean, we catch fish out of there, so like it can't be that anoxic. There's life in there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then another surprising thing that I didn't really think about, and I'm sure no one but scientists did, I guess, but mercury can exist at very low levels in the soil, like right. before it kind of gets flooded. And then once it's flooded and the reservoir gets set up a little bit, bacteria can actually transform that mercury into something called methyl mercury, Ooh. which is like worse than regular mercury. Super mercury. Yeah. And then the methyl mercury creates something called a benthic condition. Okay. Which is, again, I don't know what that means. Me neither. <laughs> yeah. I just took it at face value. It's a benthic condition. And again, it just makes the water anoxic. Yeah. Okay. So there's all sorts of ways to not get oxygen in there. So it's hard to maintain like decent water in a dam. Yes. And then, like, another thing to kind of factor in, too, is unlike beaver dams, they actually muddy the water a lot, or they can right. muddy the they water a lot. They don't in the water. They don't clean it out. Yeah, it's it's basically guaranteed to have a negative impact on whatever body of water they're damming. Right. And that can that can also affect kind of the migration of, like, larger animals, so, like, fish in the rivers and yeah. stuff. And they do have things that can be built that I didn't touch on earlier, but they're called fish ladders, essentially. Fish ladders. I've heard of those. Yeah. They're like underwater steps, aren't they? Well, they can be underwater and they can also kind of be like a little side 
uh, I guess, yeah. flow that just kind of diverts from it yeah. to make it a little bit easier. But I mean, you put a dam in, it's, it's going to be tougher for animals yeah. to, to get around. Well, I guess in that sense, beavers kind of create better ecosystems and these big man-made dams seem to almost eviscerate yeah. ecosystems. It's just too big a change. It's just yeah. too big a change on the ecosystem. Like, and It's I mean, not gradual. It's, yeah. very, it's very quickly built in terms of, well, nature's timeline and all that kind of stuff, right? Yeah. And like I kind of touched on a little bit earlier, like we are getting better at creating more nature-friendly reservoirs and whatnot. Yeah. But I mean... It's all a learning curve, right? Yeah, you're kind of putting a Band-Aid on a chopped limb or something, you know? Yeah. Like, you, I mean, it's good that we're doing that, but also we're we're messing it up pretty bad, so... Yeah, as humans do best. Yes, as we do best. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know how I feel after, like, learning all this stuff about it. Like, obviously, hydroelectric is beneficial to humans. When you get sure. an energy source that's as green, like, it's it's carbon-free, I guess, right? Like, it's a... It's yeah. a Emission-free or whatever. No, it's not emission-free. Well, yeah, like concrete creates a lot of emissions, yeah. I guess, in itself when you're building it. But it's a sustainable form of renewable electricity, yes. right? But then, yeah, when you look at all the impact, like the environmental impacts and the amount of people displaced and the amount of land run, like... I guess everything has a downside, right? Yeah. I'm a little less Like no team, matter what you do. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm definitely a little less hydro. team hydro. Yeah, more more solar, more wind. Did you leave the subreddit Hydro Homies? No. <laughs> Can you imagine if that was about hydroelectric, <laughs> hydroelectric power, power and not just drinking water? <laughs> yeah, where do you stand? How do you feel about it? Do you think it's like net positive? Do you think it's like net negative? What do you think? Well, I mean, when it comes right down to energy production, it's really just picking the, the lesser of the evils, right? Yeah. Because everything comes with the downside. I think nuclear is the cleanest form of energy, but its biggest downside is that nuclear reactors can, you know, collapse and ruin an entire place. Yes. Ruin an entire area that we once could live and no longer can live. Yes. Like it can really ruin things, but it's the cleanest way to do things. Yeah. And I do just a disclaimer because I, I just feel pretty passionately about nuclear these days is that it is incredibly fucking safe. So yeah, things like yeah. that can happen, but it's like these days, nowadays, modern times, it's so fucking safe. Yeah. Anyway. Because we're not doing human monitoring and all that. It's all machines and AI and much more intelligently designed and people are working on them. So, you know, I would probably go to nuclear, but people aren't super ready for nuclear yet. And then when it comes to hydroelectric energy, I guess I like it more than oil and gas. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, when it comes right down to it, if we can utilize anything else that's more green, that's sustainable, then I'm all for it. And I think that no matter what we what we do, we're probably going to have an environmental impact. And it's just trying to limit that and maybe try to correct our mistakes and find better ways to utilize the energy. Yeah. But I think I would prefer it over other methods. Yeah, fair enough. Okay. And kind of to touch on that maybe a little bit as far as BC goes, because I did look at that a little bit. They have yeah. over 80 dams, 80, wow. 80 like hydroelectric dams. That must be a lot of space. <laughs> Yeah, but well, yeah, yeah, but it's kind of spread out. So it's not necessarily, you know, I don't, yeah. I don't know if call it better or worse. I'm not sure. But yeah. And they, BC is quite a big province as well. Yeah. Well, certainly compared to like, I guess, other countries and stuff across the planet. Yeah. yeah. Canada is just so huge. Yeah. Um, that yeah, it is quite the large place. Yeah. But yeah. Some sure. of these sta stations are only like two megawatts. Yeah. Which is like 
small. It's something. I think. Yeah. I don't know. Again, not an engineer or an electrician or anything, but I saw a lot of numbers that were bigger than that. And so... 2.71 <laughs> gigawatts. <laughs> gigawatts. Yeah, that's what <laughs> Doc Brown <laughs> calls them. And they're not gigawatts. From they're not Back megawatts. to the Future? Yeah. Gigawatts? Gigawatts. That's great. He says gigawatts, not gigawatts. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> okay, so now let's get into the juicy stuff. The juice. The juice. The juice. The juice. Wait, what's the juice? The juice is what happens when dams fail. <gasps> <gasps> boom, boom, what? boom, boom. The catastrophic damage. The carnage. The devastation. The devastation. Station. 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 Okay. I, I probably shouldn't be joking about this. I think they're yeah, actually we're pretty, making pretty like, nasty like, fucking things, aren't yeah. they? Yeah, I've only got like three of kind of the biggest examples. But yeah, they're absolute tragedies to the point where like the biggest one, I'm surprised we didn't like learn about it in school or something because like the loss of life is just staggering. Well, I mean, there's probably some good marketing out there that want, they want dams to keep their positive image, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, the biggest one and and I will get into it, but it did occur in China in the 70s. Okay. So like. You know, I guess it kind of makes sense. Information was pretty locked down, yeah. as it pretty much still is. But, but I'm yeah. sure back in the day, like it's it, it was a big enough disaster that like it must have you know had hard to hide world news for sure. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. All right, so dams are considered installations containing dangerous forces under international humanitarian law. Of course, they are. And like I said before, when they fail, it's almost always catastrophic. I mean, think about what an immense amount, like what, what a flood can do to uh, anything. Yeah. It can destroy entire cities, right? Like, that's yeah, and not just like a flood. We're talking like tsunami level amounts yeah. here. Like this is extreme for sure. I mean, yeah, it's an immense amount of water. Yeah. And water is scary and heavy and brutal. Yeah. Yeah, one thing I just can't get over is like just the sheer weight of the water that's held yeah. back. Like I tried to do some quick maths, but it was just like it broke my calculator. Yeah. My phone's calculator anyways. The biggest dam failure in history occurred in Zumadian, China in 1975. Okay. Extreme rainfall from Typhoon Nina that was beyond the planned design capability of the dam. Sure. Caused the Bangkiao and Shimantan dams to fail. Okay. So, just, and the failure is what overflowing? Well, a, a failure is almost always the dam breaking apart. Okay. In some way. And there's different ways that that can happen. Like I said, you can have too much seepage underneath and it can break apart like that. Right. It can just straight up split down the middle. And technically, you could call it a failure if like the water level rose and just went like kind of breached the top. Right. Which is the case in a few rare examples of arch dams because they're built kind of in those narrow canyons and they've yeah. kind of got a mountain on either side type deal. If that mountain breaks or there's a significant rock slide, it can immediately overflow and displace like all that water. Right. So there's one example of a dam, I don't have the name, in the States where that happened. And so much of the mountain side fell through that it displaced like 80% of the water in the reservoir. Oh my God, that's a lot. Yeah. Just crazy. Like we have Turtle Mountain. Yeah. That kind of collapsed. Yeah. Imagine that much just going straight in and... That's, that's scary to think about. Yeah. And I mean, you can plan for it, but I mean... From a layman's For that term, much? yeah, like that's it's a lot. That's a lot. I mean, you don't. I, I don't know. Mountains seem really permanent to my small brain. 
Yeah, they seem like they never changed. They've always been that way. Like yeah. They're carved out of earth. Yeah, but every now and again, millions a mountain millions. can literally break apart, yes. and you never know. Yep. So yeah, when it caused the failure of those two dams, 175,000 people died. Wow. And an additional 11 million people lost their homes. Jesus. 175,000 So people. what exactly happened? Like, what was the story? So literally all I have here and all I kind of saw, I, I didn't get into, for any of these that I brought up, I didn't get into the exact specific details of like what specifically caused them to fail. Yeah. For this example, I just know that they were hit with Typhoon Nina and just the sheer downpour of that typhoon just was so much more than what they had planned. Yeah. Like it was a failure of planning, not kind of a failure of the structure itself. Right. Like it, disaster planning. Yeah. And there are some, like there's one dam in Australia that I know they have planned for a once in a 5,000 year rainfall. Okay. So like just to be that careful, but I guess the planning wasn't sufficient enough yeah. for these two dams. And, yeah. and imagine that costs a lot of money to prepare for natural disasters or rare occurrences. Well, yeah, it should all be factored into the cost of the dam anyways. Well, yeah, but I mean, I can see why they might have cut some corners or something. Yeah. And then... You know, but of all structures, you definitely don't want to. Yeah, you don't want to. You don't want to. You don't want to half-ass it on a dam yeah, that okay. can literally kill how many? Hundred seven thousand. Hundred and seventy-five. Hundred seventy-five thousand. Yeah, that's the size Jeez, of a small city. Man, that's like insane. the town I grew up in, that would be ten of them. Yeah, that's way too many people. Yeah. And eleven million lost their homes. I just like that's, that's so a, that's many. A, that's people. incredibly. That's a third of Canada. That's a third of Canada. Yeah. I don't even know what 11 million people really looks like in my head. Like, I, like yeah. that many homes. Anything over a million and my brain doesn't understand it. I yeah. need like a graph or a chart or something. Yeah, that's the end number. But I guess these dams were super important to the Chinese because they did eventually rebuild them. Really? Hopefully a little and bit better. Did they re repair everything and like do people want to live there? Can I you imagine? Yeah, you imagine living in like the question. disaster area where 11 million people lost their homes where like 175,000 people died? Yeah. I mean, real estate must have been a fucking steal. Yeah, you would think so. Because it's like, yeah, you know, there was a there was a huge flood caused by those dams that we put back. And yeah. it's not like in the case of like a breach, like a full freaking breach, it's not like you could do much to get away. It's so fast. Like it's just water rushing directly at you. Yeah. We'll, you we'll get into it on the next one about just how unavoidable this can be. Sure. So with that being said, another notable failure occurred in India in 1979 in the town of Morbi. Why do they have to be in such populated areas? Well, this like one's China like a little less India. popular. I guess India in general, yeah. It's just okay. a very populated... Fortunately, the town that we're talking about, Morby, was a small town, even okay. by our standards. All right. So okay. fortunately, still really fucked up and crazy, as we'll see. Yeah. But intense rainfalls caused the river that the town's dam held back to flow at a rate of more than 16,000 cubic meters a second. That's a lot. That's more than I can imagine. Yeah. Cubic meters, mind you. Yeah. Like, that is... So much. A second. 16,000. I just can't. I'm not, yeah, I, I don't even know. So what is that? Uh, well, you just said 160,000? No, I said 16,000 cubic meters a second. 16,000 cubic meters, which would be... I, uh, you know what I should have done? I should have checked the flow oh, of 16,000 16, cubic meters would be 160 cubic kilometers a second. Quick math. Nice yeah. job. That's a lot. That's too many. 
That's a lot of waters. That's much water. Um, so yeah, 16,000 cubic meters a second, and that was three times what the dam was designed for. Yeah. And when the dam finally broke, a tidal wave 30 feet tall descended on the residents of Morby, killing 5,000 of the small town citizens if that's almost not, instantly. If that's not one of the scariest things I've ever heard of. 30 foot tall tidal wave. Yeah. Because the dam was situated like above the town. Like these guys Oh never, God, it was just, there was no chance. No chance. God, that's scary. Like I, like, yeah, oh my God. Can you imagine being in that town? And seeing that happen. Yeah, like, look, I'm sure you, like, heard, I'm sure it made just a colossal noise. Like, I'm sure it was, like, Pompeii, basically. Yeah. It was just, oh, all right, we're going to die now. Yeah, no freaking. Like, we can't do anything. We can't run. No structure is going to help you. I mean, especially in a small town, like, with no major skyscrapers or anything. You don't. You just can't get away from it. Yeah. And I don't know about Morby specifically. I'm going to make an assumption here because of kind of the structure. A lot of dams are built in like valleys, right? Or canyons. Sure. So yeah. I'm assuming, you know, like that kind of continues. I'm going to assume Morby was in a valley of some kind, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, you're really stuck. They were just right in the danger zone. Just a natural channel, I'm sure. That, yeah. that sounds like a scary place to live. Yeah. And a really scary place to die. Yeah. I just can't imagine. I mean, I couldn't help but think about the... Indonesian tsunami, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I saw a video of that maybe two months ago of just like the wave just approaching from the ocean. And fortunately, you know, the video I saw was from like a little mountain by by the coast there. But yeah, it's just this huge colossal wave and just the sheer power of the thing. Yeah, there's really just nothing. There's nothing you can do about it. Just nothing. That's the wrath of God, as they would call it. But, like, kind of a badass way to go out. I mean, 30-foot-tall wave coming at you. That, yeah. That's pretty badass. It's a it's an exciting way to go. Yeah. A terrifying way to go. Absolutely terrifying. I don't know yeah. if you die at the point of impact or if you drown. That's my... Point of impact for something my that interest. big. For something, like, if you're getting... I mean, hit. that's, like, tons and tons of... Yeah. Oh, of yeah. Downward force. Yeah, right? if you're getting hit directly by the 30-foot wave, like I'm sure some of these guys did die from drowning, but yeah, if you're getting yeah. hit by a wave that size, you are, I, I don't think there's any chance. Yeah, that would level the town, so can't imagine a person would stand up all that well. Yeah, just terrifying. That's just, scary. Oh, man. All right, so the biggest failure in North America occurred in Johnstown, Pennsylvania in 1889. The owners of the dam, they basically just didn't maintain it properly. Yeah, why would you take care of a dam? Yeah, super cheap, skeezy, fucked up, evil freaking owners of this dam didn't maintain it. And when the dam failed, it wiped out 1,600 homes and killed 2,200 people. God damn it. Yeah. And of course, it's the state. So there was an ensuing court case, court battle. And the judge actually ruled in favor of the owners. What? Yeah. And he called it an act of God. What? Even though it wasn't though, it was it was yeah. an act of neglect. Yeah. They murdered an entire yeah twenty two hundred people, and that is negligence, gross negligence. Yeah, but it was the eighteen hundreds in America, and I mean, if you own a dam, I'm I'm assuming you're wealthy. You, you know? can really pay your way through the. Uh, God, I hate that. Yeah. Wow. Just disgusting and horrible and so scary. Yeah. Like, I know it's not as big of a number, but 2,200 people. Let's hope there aren't a lot of negligent dam owners out there. That's like a 9-11 level event. Yeah. Wow. And it just happened because they were just too lazy to just take care of their shit. Yeah. And nowadays, you know, we have all sorts of government regulations and shit like that. So, And, you know, they're they're for that specific reason. Yeah. Is that that shit used to happen. And 
Yeah. It's good that it doesn't happen anymore. I agree. And so that was kind of, those were kind of the three main ones that I wanted to cover. I didn't cover any more, but I do want to say that like when I was looking at the list of kind of the deadliest or the worst dam failures. Yeah. I mean, there was so many, like Is there was at least list? 10 with a thousand plus. There was oh my God. dozens in the hundreds of deaths around the planet. Like this happens more than you would imagine. Like, do we just suck at building dams or are we just not supposed to be building them in the first place? I mean, I think a lot of it is planning, like a lot of the ones, because they kind of had like a little bit of a yeah. brief overview on the list that I was kind of looking at. And a lot of it seems like planning. A lot of it seems like earthquakes, because yeah. even though you can't prepare for it, I mean... What are you going to do? What are you going to do? You can't really fight tectonic plates. Yeah, that's that's tough. And I mean, we keep them in mind nowadays, but I can just imagine, like a lot of these were in like the 1900s and some yeah. in the 1800s and stuff. But and the science wasn't really... Uh... Yeah. wasn't really there to back things up or like keep things. And also we didn't have a way of like recording tectonic movement or anything. Like nowadays True. there's a zillion yeah. sensors. We know something's coming. Yeah. The second it starts shifting yeah. or anything happens, we know it. Or, but back in the day. We've got like a billion sensors on the, on the San Andreas fault. So yeah. I'm very thankful where we live. Yeah. Isn't like I felt one tiny little earthquake in my whole life. And I follow a lot of like celebrities or podcasters or whatever from California. And they like, I feel like they mention it like once a month. Oh yeah, yeah. another earthquake today. Like, that's like there's just too many earthquakes there. Fucking terrifying. I would not be able to deal with that. I would have yeah. so much anxiety about the next earthquake. And what if it's the the, the one? What yeah, if it's the, the bad one? Big one? What if it's yeah. the big one? Any one of these could be the big one. Yeah. And like, oh gosh, that's a whole nother tangent, but yeah. those are terrifying and like <laughs> yeah. Yellowstone and all the freaking crazy world ending things. Oh, oh my yeah. goodness. Anyway, so there's one more thing I want to talk about because I thought it was just so badass before we close things out. Cool. Yeah. So a notable case of deliberate dam breaching. Deliberate dam breaching. Yeah. It's okay. like sabotage. Yeah. Because that, that, that is a thing sabotage. that's happened in, in the past. Yeah. So a notable case was done in World War II by the British Royal Air Force Dam Busters. Dam Busters? Yeah, they raided Germany in World War II, and it was codenamed Operation Chastise, in which six German dams were selected to be breached in order to impact German infrastructure, manufacturing, and power capabilities. Yeah, what a war move. Yeah. What a power move. What about, apparently there's like movies on it based wow. on this. I don't know. Who thought that shit up? Someone from Johnstown, maybe. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. But yeah, in closing, nowadays, attacks on dams have since been restricted via an amendment to the Geneva Convention. Yeah. So it's a straight up war crime to fuck well, with dams. Yeah, if they're like, if they're little natural disasters in just like these convenient spots, then they're a great war move to destroy and eviscerate innocent people and just innocent land, innocent nature. Yeah. And so one yeah, thing I that's didn't an really mention thing to do. Yeah. And it should not be a thing that you should be able to do. Yeah. One thing I didn't really mention either is like with a lot of the hydroelectric dams is like they are hollow. Yeah. And that's where like all the kind of turbines and the generators are and stuff. So yeah, that's kind of really convenient if you manage to get in the hollow part, put a bunch of dynamite in there or something and yep. away you go. Yeah, you can really just get them from the center out. Well, I, I also that- never thought about dams being hollow i always saw them as like these solid structures but then it made sense that it's like there's a bunch of shit in there yeah yeah people like work in there people spend like 40 hours a week in the middle of a dam can you imagine that so scary that'd be weird yeah i feel like it'd be really loud too just like maybe insane amounts of water flowing through that thing at all times yeah i don't don't know probably would be but i think that's it i think that's all i got yeah 
So that's dams. Learned a lot. Hopefully very you guys interesting. did too. Yeah. Well, I went from not thinking about dams to only thinking about dams for an hour straight. So I feel like I learned a lot about dams. So thanks for doing the research on that. And yeah, of course. Learning about dams and helping other people learn about dams. It was a, it was a cool one. I'm glad. So anyway, yeah. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening and being here and just listening to us talk about things that we're interested about. Uh, yeah. Follow us on Twitter at It's 3 a.m. Pod. And just watch out every other Saturday at 3 a.m. We're going to be dropping an episode about whatever. And I, I imagine at some point we'll be taking recommendations and stuff. But for now, we're just coming up with things we like. Yeah. So until then, get them while they're hot and uh, go to bed, everybody. Yeah, go to bed. Go to bed.